0: Hey, everyone. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel. We call the Make Ours
1: Marvel Mailbag. This is our 14th Make Ours Marvel Mailbag that we like to throw at you, you know, somewhat close to a monthly, but not really, especially over the holidays. Uh, monthly, but
0: yeah. six monthly.
1: <laughs> we are aware that you are writing letters and we want to read them <laughs> on the air, especially the two of you who <laughs> write most of them. But we love all yeah. of you.
0: Yes. Um
1: we but one are more not- than the others. <laughs> we- you get to fight for who's gonna be the one that we love more. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just like our children. Um right. I mean not our children, like Michael and I don't have any children together. Except for all of you listeners. You're like our kids.
0: I looked up our horoscope though today. Yeah. You and me you and me should have children together. Oh, we should? Oh my gosh. We are we are hot together. Except okay. for Except for emotionally, but outside of that, I was we're I pretty was pretty good
1: trying to decipher the exact meaning behind your tweet <laughs> about that. <laughs> like, Michael says, John and I are hot AF, and I'm like, okay, Mike, I love <laughs> podcasting with you too.
0: <laughs> well, Sarah was talking <laughs> about horoscopes, so. I'm like,
1: okay, I totally understand that too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading our zodiac signs and our compatibility, and that, that's what it said. Like. We were like in the 90s on everything except emotions for some reason.
1: All right. Well, if we ever find ourselves in a situation, I'll come to California. Yeah. Um, On that amorous note, (laughs) let's dive into some emails. (laughs) My first one's from July 3rd. The other thing from before July 3rd? I have July 3rd at 744 a.m. With 744 a.m., I have 750. A. Wait, time difference. Yeah, time difference. Your 744 is my 1044. John Morrissey wins. My headcanon okay. for stretchy webbing. Okay. Greetings, purveyors of popular plots. I like that. Especially with all the P's. I'm pretty sure Stanley's P's were his favorite. Um, what do you call that? Alliteration. For what it's worth, here's my headcanon concerning whether or not Spidey's webbing is elastic and stretchy. I think it is. When he wants it to be, which I think is similar to what you were saying on the show. Um, mm-hmm. As shown in the secrets of Spider-Man feature in Spidey's first annual, he can eject his web fluid in a variety of ways, e.g. a fine line, a net, a pile of gloppy goo, simply by adjusting the nozzle of his web shooter in one easy motion. Thus, in my headcanon, he can shoot an elastic line or a rigid cord to match the circumstance. I know what you're thinking. And you're right. If this is true, then why did he break Gwen's neck in Amazing Spider-Man 121? I say give the guy a break. He had a cold at the time that was making him feel dizzy. (coughs) He had been fighting the Green Goblin and dodging pumpkin bobs, and he was worried sick about the condition of his immobile girlfriend. So when he saw Gobby knock Gwen off the bridge, he panicked and shot his webbing immediately without taking the time to consider the setting of the nozzle. In the heat of the battle, he made an error, and Gwendy died. Poor peter okay the reason i like that explanation is because the idea of peter making a mistake and accidentally killing his girlfriend is already in fan headcanon that's the mm-hmm. implied situation there with the snap of her neck mm-hmm. he's just added a little more nuance to just exactly how it could have been avoided
0: but it wasn't it's still his fault that's fan canon i thought that was legit canon
1: um i think i mean it says it's explained different ways oh yeah okay. I don't think Peter necessarily realizes that it was completely his fault that he killed Gwen.
0: Well, as far as I know, he and Gwen aren't even together, so I don't know what this email is even about. But I oh guess yeah, we'll spoilers! Find Gwen and, and Peter. She's the alive. Green and Goblin well, comes back. What are you talking about? Yeah, Green Goblin's done. He got his mind cleared out and everything. He's fine. Gwen has no
1: headband surgically attached to her head,
0: as no. far as I'm aware.
1: No, so soon. Until another Marvel comic blows my mind and shatters my world like Amazing Spider-Man 121 did when I bought it off a of spinner rack in the summer of 1973, Oh my make mine, make ours Marvel. That's so got to be a memory. He
0: aged himself.
1: Yeah. Morrissey, I feel sorry for you, man. That, was, that would have been a hard day
0: to get through. <sighs> How old is that? Cause that's the 60s, right? Still? Uh,
1: 1970. He said 1973. Oh, I just went to the next 73.
0: page. Wow. I guess we are yeah. almost done with the 60s. Okay. Okay. Now it's time for four. So I was negative too, Morrissey, just so you know. Anyway. Uh, okay, this is from Blaine Dowler. So you know it's going to be trivia. Hi, guys. In episode 116, you asked why golf spells the warning for as F-O-R-E. I do remember that. I don't know why we asked that, but we did. I've been told that when the sport first began, a golfer had two caddies. One caddy would stay with the golfer and help With club carrying and selection, while the four caddy, four hyphen caddy, would run ahead, a four, to track the ball as it landed. Four was short for four caddy, the ball is coming, so pay attention so it doesn't get lost. Of course, the Rich Elite person was responsible for every positive outcome, and the two caddies would take responsibility for all the negative outcomes of the game, because that's how Rich works. It makes as much sense as sports in general. Mr. Dowell. Um... Yeah,
1: that sounds like that's how being rich works. Um, you know, you have the money, you get to blame the people. Yeah. I like that, though, because it has kind of, you know, four means to the front. Uh-huh. So it kind of clarifies that. Yeah. That Thank works. you, Blaine. Blaine was, of course, on our show back when we did Fantastic Four, not the early 2000s movies that you recently heard are not comic special about, but the more recent Fantastic Four movie
0: we and talked our, about longer
1: ago. our Daredevil show, right? And our Daredevil show, that's right. Okay.
0: Um, we, we have to do email. guests again. How come we don't do that? We forgot. I guess because we had a permanent guest at this yeah. point who's not a guest yeah. anymore. We can throw we in a
1: third chair. Now we have Sarah. We can always get a
0: fourth chair. Once in a while, but that's okay.
1: Anyway. Okay. Email from, I'm sorry, website comment from Tim Price, episode 116. Mm-hmm. The uh, episode entitled Thor Ragnarok's because it's got the ox in it. Tim is commenting on the issues. He says, the X-Men 19, the mimic must have spent a lot of time near Steve Martin because he's sure a jerk.
0: Hey-o. Hey, I never saw that movie. Oh, really? It's pretty good. As for if other, you like pa- Steve Martin, if you don't like Steve Martin, it's the worst movie ever made.
1: I do like Steve Martin. Okay. I think Steve Martin's pretty great. When I saw the original father of the bride, I was missing Steve Martin.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I didn't even know there was a original father of the bride until I stumbled across. I was like, oh. I'll watch the original one.
0: I think every movie you and I have ever seen has been a remake, so... Probably. Probably.
1: As for other power-duplicating characters, the only ones I would add are Rogue, Stealing and Borrowing, close enough, and Ah. Nemesis Kid. Nemesis Kid was a villain of the Legion of Superheroes whose power let him defeat any opponent, often by duplicating and surpassing their powers, although sometimes gave him immunity to the opponent's powers instead. That sounds like the Super Scroll because he has the Fantastic Four powers, but better.
0: So now we've got three super scroll rogue and nemesis kid have you heard of nemesis kid mr dc guy i've never heard of nemesis kid
1: yes i have read enough legion of superheroes to have run across nemesis kid okay um he's like a silver age villain. i don't specifically remember the story how it went when he was in it but i remember reading about him okay um and i love rogue everyone loves rogue right Uh huh. so sorry we forgot her i think i was just thinking about like characters who are specifically designed to be gestalt Combinations of people's uh, powers, right? Like Amazo like, uh, and
0: what's uh what's that Superman uh, Batman guy?
1: The composite Superman with all the powers yeah. of the Legion.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I've known
1: about the composite Superman since I was you know relatively young. You see the character with the half Batman, half Superman face, green face, whatever. Uh-huh. I did not know he had all the powers of the Legion that that was Me mixed neither. into it until much later. When I first read about, I was like, "What? Who made that up?" But it turns out it was real.
0: I didn't learn that until about 10 seconds ago. I always thought it was just Superman and Batman. Well, there you go. Like he was half he was as powerful as Superman, looking. and he has Batman's half belt. <laughs> and half this is, this is like a weird outfit, dude.
1: Tim goes on, it seems like there should be more of them, but maybe the major character like that just get used a lot. Would just use a lot. Oh, wait. I just read the X-Force villain, Gideon. Duplicating powers was his deal, too. But he didn't duplicate the power to be memorable. Hey-o! hey <laughs> yo!
0: I he totally don't get to that joke. Honest.
1: He didn't duplicate the part to be memorable, as in no one remembers Gideon.
0: Oh, I when of remember Gideon. Gideon. I think <gasps> of the, uh, He's the guy that's bald with the big, giant, green top ponytail thing, right? From X-Force. I think I remember that.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Yes. He was a power duplicator. Is that what he did? I don't remember that part. I just remember he was one of the held villains for a little bit. Yeah, sure. Him being there, like being a fighter.
1: Yeah, and like being one of the uh, one of the externals, yeah. Because that's a word that's like eternals, but with an X in front. Forgetting that the word external means something completely different. But um, right. whatever. Yeah. When I think of Gideon, I think of the uh, Fantastic Four bad guy, that one corporate dude. Oh yeah, his name was Gideon. The the power of Gideon. Yeah,
0: he's probably better.
1: Um, also Gideon is uh from Gravity Falls. He's a little squeaky guy. Daredevil yeah. fifteen. I'd heard about Ox dying, but couldn't remember the details. Well, now I know. And that's all I can say about that.
0: He didn't die.
1: No, but basically, because his body died died with the other guy's
0: mind in it. Yeah, Ox is just fine. Got a new lease on life. But I do like John Romita's
1: artwork. It's great fun to see his early Mm -hmm. work here. Good stuff. Here's how I handled the names in this comic. Smart guy's mind and Ox's body. Smart Ox equals (laughs) Smox. Ox's mind in little guy's body. Little ox equals a
0: lux. I like it. (laughs) Put that on your bagel. Where was this email before we had to summarize that?
1: Yeah, Tim. Come on, tell us these things before the show. Thor, one hundred twenty-seven. Pro tip: Never give your omnipotent power to anyone named the merciless, the treacherous, (laughs) the ruthless, or the shifty. Just saying.
0: (laughs) Barry the weasel, also right, right, right.
1: Shinbad the shifty. Oh, also, his Odin. name is Sin and Bad, so just don't trust them. Uh, man. Odin, so you're the asking wise. about? Yeah, I don't know. You're asking about Pluto versus Hades in the Marvel Universe. It has not been said yet, but they will establish that the Greek and Roman gods are the same pantheon, but the individual gods were known by and answer to both names, which fits culturally with the heritage of the Roman gods being absorbed from Greek culture, as I understand it. Side note: That's how I understand it too.
0: Yep.
1: In fact, I accepted that so intrinsically that I was completely thrown when DC's War of the Gods event in the 90s actually had the Greek gods fighting with their Roman counterparts.
0: Whoa. That kind of sounds fun. But I also like the idea of it just being the same person because, you know, that's how history works.
1: Yeah. If you look up Pluto or Hades on the internet, mm-hmm. it's going to give you the same information because they're –
0: right side in neptune all that
1: also i think war of the gods sounds a lot cooler than it actually is
0: okay my memory well, is not i mean it is dc so we won't cover it yeah but maybe i'll sneak a read at some
1: okay so the asgard quest is over uh that's better it's better tim Tell us these things. And you talked about Odin sending them out because the warriors were bored and fighting too much. This sounds like my daughters when they're on summer vacation. Alternating cries of, I'm bored. She's bugging me. Until my wife or I say, go outside and find something to do. So the whole quest boils down to keeping a bunch of rowdy boys busy. Now I'm terrified of the thought that I follow parenting advice from Odin.
0: No. No, Well, you didn't trick them into thinking the world was coming to an end first, I hope.
1: Right. He didn't That's like have a difference. cracked sword that had portents that you completely forgot about later. <laughs> Remember how freaked out he was? Oh, my gosh. The sword is cracked. Later, he's like, it didn't really matter. This so was that in, just like cracked for a
0: thousand. Odin making an illusion that it wasn't really cracked? Or does it being cracked not a big deal because it doesn't really matter? Just like that 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 staff thing he carries turning out not to really matter? Right. Uh-huh. We would have to headcat an explanation.
1: So it's whichever one you like more.
0: I thought maybe Walter Simonson addressed it at some point.
1: I would love that to be true. I don't remember it happening, but it could. It's like, hey, we forgot the sword sword cracked. (laughs) Right. We should search Odin's sword cracked and see if the internet has the information. Yes, we should. Wait a minute. The Ragnarok prophecy about Loki's treason. Instead of being surprised that Odin trusts and believes Loki all the time, is this why Odin acts that way? Like Odin thinking, I can postpone ragtime. (laughs) Ragtime <laughs> by giving Loki as little reason as possible to betray Asgard. So I'll give him all the chances I can.
0: I have a student yeah. like
1: this. Yeah, I have a student with major anger issues, and like he came into the school and he didn't trust me, didn't like me, didn't want to do anything I said. So I did a lot of work to like establish a rapport and establish respect. He's still not doing a lot of what I say, but like I'm trying to work him around to, to being more adherent. But yeah, it's kind of like give him lots of excuses and lots of reasons so he doesn't go crazy on us. So
0: he doesn't bring around Ragnarok?
1: Basically, my student is, you know, the forces of evil. Right. Um, not really. He's a good guy. What'd he say? Uh, that's not really consistent with the early Journey into Mystery stories, which I just finished reading to catch up, where Loki's like, imprisoned in a tree or chained to a wall or something else. Not really feeling the trust there. Tales to astonish,
0: maybe. Well, but that came later. So maybe he oh, really is what got he's what he's saying here to,
1: to explain all of the stuff we've seen Odin doing with Loki in the present day. Mm. But um
0: it seems it's just kind of yeah. random when he trusts him or doesn't trust him it feels like
1: Odin the capricious that's his Odin
0: that's his name. the server of the story. Yes,
1: Odin the plot device. Tales to a 79, <laughs> Namor gets shot in this story and the question is is Namor bulletproof? I know he is in later stories. but I couldn't say that's been established yet. But the bullet gives him a bare scratch on the shoulder, and Namor passes out until he reaches water, and there's no blood in any of those panels, unless Namor's blood is clear. (gasps) Wait, is Namor's blood just water? Is that why he gets stronger in water, literally his life's blood? Maybe? I know I get stronger when I bathe in blood.
0: I mean, the thing about Namor is his power fluctuates so much, you can't really say. If something happens to him on land, you can't say, like... Oh, he must not be bulletproof then. Because maybe he is sometimes. Most of the time. And not all the time. Maybe right. if he was underwater and you tried to shoot him with an AR-15, it would do nothing. But since he's on land for a half hour, like you can bonk him on the head and he goes unconscious. Who knows? Hulk
1: versus Herc was pretty cool, but not a lot to say about it. I totally dug the mini crossover with Thor's comic. Oh, yeah. Where like Hercules leaves Thor and then he's on the train going to the Hollywood mm-hmm. and runs across Hulk on the way. Mm-hmm. While this was also kind of done with the Wasp being between Namor's story and the, the Avengers, this was a bigger story in my mind. And they're both Tales to Astonish crossovers.
0: Yes.
1: Question. Does this kind of overlap with characters make the world seem smaller, or the continuity tighter, and are those mutually exclusive or not? Hmm.
0: Well... You know how we were just talking the other day? Like we we just covered, uh, I don't know if this is going to come out before or after, but we just covered Amazing 15 or 50. 50. And the Kingpin is like super happy that Spider-Man's out of the picture so he can become, he can do kingpin things, right? Mm-hmm. And you and my, my first thoughts were like, is Spider-Man really that important to stopping crime in the city? Like aren't there a thousand other things that do that? And so that's like to me a downside of really tight, In, you know, universe creating continuity with characters. Because sometimes you think, how come the Avengers don't notice Galactus, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they have to come up with some reason or whatever. But on the other hand, I do like the crossing over and I do like the interactions. And it's possible I just haven't read enough DC, though I have read a lot of DC. I always feel like, to me, like Marvel somehow does that more, maybe. Like they have less independence. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe because like the guys like Superman and Sp- or Sp- Superman and Batman and Green Lantern and stuff, they all have their own cities and their own supporting characters and their own whatever. And other guys like it's almost more fun when they interact in the Marvel universe than be on their own. And they also all live in the same city, which is kind of weird. But so it's like there's pros and cons to it, I think. So if I wanted to think about the differences between the idea
1: of the world being smaller and the t- continuity being tighter, mm-hmm. I would think, okay, so yeah, Amazing Spider-Man Fifty if they made references to what the other heroes, how they factored into that dynamic,
0: Mm -hmm. that'd
1: be an example of the world being smaller. Mm -hmm. Like whenever you acknowledge the rest of the world in ways that aren't really Mm -hmm. that important, but they, Mm -hmm. you know, and then continuity being tighter would be like, if the acknowledgement of the other heroes in this story fit into their narrative in a way that was clear cut, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that, Having unnecessary crossovers is a combination of the two. You right. Have Hercules going from Thor to Hulk to Thor—that didn't have to happen. Mm-hmm. Um. Hulk's narrative and Thor's narrative had no reason to interact with each other, but you have this little part. So that I think that's an example of both the world being smaller and the continuity being tighter.
0: But what um, do you think? Of, what do you think of like was it Doctor Strange where we saw pretty much every face we've ever read so far having a comment or something about? was going on was that doctor strange or something else what was that there was one in strange Tales 156 where like everybody showed up whenever uh brosnan was threatening the world it's like they could all sense it that was it was just like one panel of all their heads basically mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. and they all had ideas but like they didn't get involved but at no. the same time at the same time it was a nod that hey other people around the world are also experiencing this which i think is kind of okay
1: yeah i like that i like that but like you said, it does have the double-edged effect of, well, what if you don't acknowledge everybody? Right. What if the a whole story world goes and, blind
0: in a Daredevil right. story? In a Daredevil
1: story, what if the entire world goes blind and Spider-Man never mentions it? Right.
0: Even though he smacked into a wall and fell to his death.
1: Right. That would be, well, it's hard to mention things when
0: you're dead. So we can we can right. forgive it for that one. That's true. But yeah. So yeah, there's pros and cons. Like, like for me, I'm a Batman fan, for instance. I hate when he interacts with the rest of the DC universe. I would much rather he just live in his own little bat universe, do his little bat things. Those are my favorite stories. I don't need him in the giant JLA crossovers and all that stuff. So it's just a taste thing, maybe, also.
1: Including pre-crisis, like World's Finest and JLA pre-crisis? You don't mind? You don't like him in those?
0: Well, those were usually separate stories, weren't they? I mean, I never really got to the part where they started merging together.
1: Yeah, they were never, like, I guess you make crossovers. So like... Batman as a title intersecting with a JLA story, like as a crossover.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't, like I, don't feel the don't, need for that either. I don't. I'd rather he just live in his Batman Gotham world and do his Gotham thing, and you know, occasionally someone can, sh- you know, Superman can sh- show up to help out in a storyline or something like that. But he he's so popular, he has to be in everything, right? And I just find that to be mm-hmm. a drag. Whereas conversely, in the Marvel universe, Mister Avengers, Captain America, I like when he crosses over into everything. It's fun how he interacts with also. I don't know. I think that's just the universe thing.
1: Tim uh, wraps up. FYI, I just started reading the Hercules miniseries from the eighties. It's awesome. I have not read that. Have you read that? I have not. Great show again until next time or until, Oh dang it. John used the same bit. I was going to namely ox's brother becomes the new ox and no one notices. <laughs> and I'm too frazzled to think of another bit. Make mine, make ours. Marvel. <laughs>
0: Well, if he hadn't said that, we wouldn't have remembered that we used it, and then we would have just gave him credit. But that's okay. Right. It's good to be honest. Okay. Do you have database question? I have June 6th at 1137 from Scott McFadden. Oh, really? July 6th. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, okay. I was going to say,
0: <laughs> I don't know it's how
1: far funny. June is away from July in the other direction. <laughs> right. Okay. So this one's uh, this one's short. Okay. Quick question. When you report, as you often do on all appearances of a character or the next appearance of a character, what is your source for that information? Which database do you use? I used to use comicbookdb.com, but it closed out about 1.5 years ago, and I haven't found a useful replacement yet. Comicbookdb, let us mourn the passing. Yes,
0: that was so great. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so I use two resources that I want to highly recommend. Um, I will go to Marvel Reading com which is the complete Marvel reading order where you can look up um, a person's appearances, um, who walls in a book and get uh, like links to issues. It's a good like browsing around from place to place. Mm-hmm. But if you want something that's like quick and dirty and just like text only kind of thing, um, you can also go to chronologyproject.com and yep. there you can search a character, get their continuity, and um, but it doesn't have like the quite as much linkage. If you look up a comic and it shows all the characters in that, it'll also show where they previously were, and where they next were. And that can link around. Um, but you can also just look up a character and have their entire list of continuity. Now I will say that the continuity between those two sites can differ because yep. sometimes continuity is subjective and the fan has to put it together themselves. Um, I think that whenever Marvel started putting out the official indexes, I think that Chronology Project adjusted theirs to match, but I could be wrong on that.
0: Well, Chronology Project is severe chronology, right? Like, like if if there's a t- 2020 Peter Parker story where he's 12, they'll bust that back before Amazing Fantasy 15. Whereas this the, is true, ma- the Marvel reading order does not do that. They just want you to have a nice reading experience, so they'll lump storylines together. Is how right? I,
1: I think Marvel reading order's guideline is. That in order for a book to be moved back and forth in continuity, it has to be within two years of the other books you want to slot it between. Right. So and if it's more it came than out, two years out, yeah. then it's considered a flashback story.
0: Um, but either way, it's not release date, which is our bread and butter. So in a way, it's still kind of frustrating. But you can you can figure it out. And I do think Marvel reading has a re- release date option in the setting somewhere. mm mm-hmm. Um, And if you're looking for DC, which is not us, but if you're looking for DC, dcindexes.com is an also excellent source up to about post-crisis-ish in terms of characters and where they appear. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I've used that one quite a bit. I love reading. DC
1: indexes. Uh, they have a lot of release date information and that's the main that's the first source I go to when I'm compiling, compiling my Superman reading project. Mm-hmm. And I want to get all the uh, appearance lists for all the major Superman characters. I'll go to them first and then I'll check another couple of these for filling in the gaps if there are any. But
0: the yeah, end of the day, so hopefully I'll you, give you what you really have to do is just read every unfortunately. Read everything. Don't yeah. stop. Cuz how do you read. know? How do you know Superman's head doesn't show up somewhere that month that they don't catalog. You have to just it's read on it. My, you to flip through. It's it. on
1: my cup that I'm reading drinking from. What if right they now.
0: mention Clark
1: Kent? Are they going to index that? I don't know. Okay. You say that and you're joking, but here's the thing. Not really?
0: I'm frustrated. In I'm not Daredevil,
1: joking. in Daredevil 25. <laughs> mm-hmm. Spider-Man influences the story. Yeah. When he sends that letter, that is Spider-Man agency that we don't have in a Spider-Man appearance list. Right. And there was another so issue. I was feel it like
0: Daredevil? Where like they say, these were taken by Peter Parker or something like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also just a mention, but influences the story because that's where the pictures came from. I feel like that's
1: important. But, you know, I'd have to start my own website and I'm not going to.
0: Yeah. We'll get there eventually. I'm about This is ready podcast to this podcast is for. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> next is thoughts on Hercules? Some thoughts on Hercules. Scott McFadden, July 6th. Hi, Mike and John. I enjoyed your coverage of the Thor slash Hercules issues and Hercules interaction with Pluto, the movie producer. As I mentioned in an earlier message, there are among the stories I remember. From, wait, these are among the stories I remember from having seen them on the Marvel superheroes cartoon show. So they really bring back a lot of childhood memories. So, yeah, interesting. So Hercules is in that show, huh? Cool. I did not remember this story being adapted to that, but I believe him. I was interested in your discussion of the same of the name Pluto versus Hades and the issue of Greek versus Roman names for the gods in general. It might be worth noting that Hercules is itself the Roman version of his name. The Greeks called him Heracles. So even before Pluto shows up, we already have a casual mixing of Greek and Roman names. Hercules I, Oh I love that they basically
1: nucleared it. Yeah, Like nuclear and nuclear. Mm-hmm. They took Heracles and called it Hercules, and I, I love that.
0: Hercules just has more recognition in our popular culture than Heracles does, so I can't blame Marvel for preferring it. I think we ultimately did catch ourselves on that, but it was funny. We were so obsessed with them using Pluto, but totally dismissed them using Hercules. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of which, I wonder if the decision to feature Hercules in Marvel Comics was related to the series of Hercules movies that had been coming out of Italy for most of the early sixties, starring various American bodybuilders like Steve Reeves, Alan Steele, and Mickey Hargitay. That sounds good. They were pretty cheap and badly dubbed, but they were very popular around this time. It might make sense that Stan and Jack had decided to jump on that bad wagon and add Herc to the Marvel roster. I always like those connections. I mean, I can't even, we can't prove it, obviously, but I liked, like when things come out that are weird and then you find out there was a movie that came out around that same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could be true. You were also right to note that Hercules and Hippolyta had a pre existing relationship in the myths. One of the labors of Hercu- Hercules was to steal Hippolyta's belt, which he did by either abducting her or killing her, depending on which source you're reading. So yeah, Hippolyta has no reason to like him. Yes, but I do think in the Marvel Universe, that's not a thing, if I remember correctly. It is in the DC Universe. But anyway, thanks for all the effort you put into the podcast and keep up the good work. I think in the Marvel Universe, they just had a relationship and he remembers fondly liking her and stuff. But then, like, I remember, Mm -hmm. like, the the JLA Avengers crossover that George or uh, uh, Kurt Busick and George Perez did. Like, Wonder Woman is really mad when she finds a Hercules to beat on. And he's like, whoa. What's wrong?
1: And Grant Morrison took that one step further on the Wonder Woman Earth One um, mm. hardcover. Uh, I remember. Hercules. I did read that. Yeah, straight out of salts. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, I would be curious to see if we find out more about Hippolyta's Hippolyta's uh, relationship with Hercules. Um, July eleventh, Golden Age Kazar. Yes, from Jim Henry. First-time writer, possibly, of the uh, JimHenryMedicalTrust.org. He says, in one of your recent—the title is called Golden Age Khazar and Gods Above the Asgardians. In one of your recent episodes where you talked about Daredevil's adventures with Khazar and Khazar's origin story, you said something about how they needed to differentiate their Khazar from the Golden Age Khazar because they were ripping off someone else's intellectual property. But the Golden Age Kazar seems to have been published by Timely-era Marvel, first in an eponymous pulp title, and then in Marvel Comics slash Marvel Mystery Comics. Yeah. So is he saying that the, the pulp
0: novels themselves were published by Timely? That I don't know, but I do think the Golden Age comic Kazar was Timely. Yes. Yes, it was.
1: I just thought it was adapting somebody else's material, and so if they wanted to bring Kazar back in they had to make it a different Khazar to no longer adapt that person's material.
0: Well, what we should do is maybe golden age Khazar could be like earth one Kazar, <laughs> and silver age could be like earth Two, And then there's just no confusion. I'm looking up right now.
1: Kazar, October, 1936. There's a Kazar magazine and in it is King of Claw and Fang, a complete novel serialized by Bob bird, but the editor is Charles Goodman. From Man Viz Publications. And I wonder if Charles Goodwin. Goodman is related to Martin Goodman.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Hmm. So it could all be one happy fa- or you know dysfunctional family. We do not know.
0: But, but clearly in the Silver Age, they decided nobody remembered or wanted to worry about that. And let's just start over. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if the golden age Um, and the pulp version are similar in origin.
1: Yes. The pulp version, the, the golden age KZR comics are adaptations of the, or at least they start out as adaptations of the pulp novel.
0: Right. But is the silver age like the golden age or is the brother thing, a whole new story? The, yeah, the, the secret identity name, how he
1: got to the country, the connection with the plunderer, all of that was invented for the sixties. So really the only thing that's the same is the name and the fact that he's a white guy in the jungle with a saber-toothed tiger.
0: A blonde. The saber-toothed Tarzan. tiger's
1: name is different. Oh it wow! Czar in the Golden Age. It's Zabu now.
0: Yeah, I think the Golden Age Czar was like more like Tarzan, where his family just lived there for a while or something. Yeah, and then something happened to his parents. Yeah, it was it was like the,
1: the Tarzan story with like two
0: things changed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, back in the day when you could get away with stuff.
1: Um, Jim goes on, in another recent episode, you wondered if there were higher authorities in the Asgardians and the Asgardian gods answer to such metagods appear at least once in X-Men and Alpha Flight number two from 1986 by Chris Claremont, Paul Smith et al. I attach a panel from that issue. Mm-hmm. Loki has been granting superpowers to humans and giving X-Men like Cyclops and Rogue better control of their powers with heavy strings attached and gets reprimanded by we who live above in shadow. I have read enough Thor to know whether these metagods appear elsewhere.
0: That story sounds horrible, but interesting panel.
1: We who live above in shadow, who are to Asgard as its immortal sons and daughters are to the realms of men, have witnessed and judged and found the wanting.
0: So they're like titans uh, that aren't killed.
1: Sounds like it.
0: But, you know, Asgard um, Asgard has to answer to the Living Tribunal just like the rest of us, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always more powerful things, but...
1: X-Men Alpha Flight was the first appearance of that
0: group. Uh, they've only appeared nine times. Um, that seems like an odd place for Asgardian gods to first appear as X-Men and Alpha Flight.
1: <laughs> Loki once hypothesized that they could have been created by the Asgardians' beliefs or that they were even beyonders. Oh. They were also stated to share certain similarities with the primal gods. Mm. And it was recently revealed that Thor would go to the Elder Sleep, where he could commune with the spirits and the old dead kings Whenever never use Mjolnir to switch places with Don Blake. When Thor most recently traded places with Blake, the Elder Spirits and the ancient kings who turned their eyes from him looked like three of those who sit above in shadow. And that was in Thor Volume 6, Number 9. So, yeah, interesting.
0: Well, I can't remember why we asked, but it was it to see if, like, Asgardian gods have gods that they worship? And if so, even if these gods exist, I don't know that I've ever seen them being worshipped by Asgardian gods.
1: Yeah, I think it's come up in our conversations with Asgardians a few times. One of the times I remember is whenever they're, like, the trial of the gods. Because mm. the idea of the trial of the gods, we, like, you know, fight. And let the gods decide who's going to win, and therefore they're the good person. Mm-hmm. But if gods are doing the fighting, who's doing the judging right. and determining who's going to win? So yeah, that was one of the conversations we
0: had about Should it. Should be like the trial of us, right? Because we're the we're the gods. But anyway, all right. Well, thanks. That's a good one.
1: Uh, have, do you have Tim Price episode July's 117?
0: 12th? Episode 117. Yeah. Watcher says, "Be more chill." Strange Tales 144. Dugan's quote: "I'm dead." And I landed in the wrong place because Fury's voice would never be up above. Absolutely hilarious. I don't even remember that. <laughs> and Dr. Strange still hasn't rescued Clay uh, the girl, right? I've been enjoying a lot of the Eternity <laughs> Saga, but it just goes on forever. Get it? Forever? Eternity? Have I made this joke before? It's totally true. It did, though. We do have her name now. Um Seriously, the lady villain from the last two issues was unnamed. White haired girl is unnamed. Meanwhile, triangle shaped floating mask face Asti the All Seen has a name. Not a good look. Well, we got Umar. Was that her name? We did. Yeah. So we finally got a lady with a name. And we do know Clea now. Anyway, The Fantastic Four number 50. Remembering how you guys notes the Galactus trilogy only had two comics worth of story? Also remember that I first read this in a treasury edition that left out half of issue 48. Well, guess what? That treasury also left out the last half of issue 50. The story ends with the surfer flying off and Alicia walking down the stairs from the roof calling after Ben. It really worked great for giving a complete story, but also a taste of more drama to come. So basically it turned two and a half issues into like a one-issue treasury?
1: Yeah, I... I feel like I've heard that about the Treasury Edition before, Mm -hmm. that in order to get the Galactus Treasury story, they left out the Inhuman stuff at the beginning and the random football stuff at the end and just focused on the Galactus story. And I think that's probably an excellent choice for that collection.
0: Yeah, it would make a lot more sense than going to college after um, years later right. I got to read, I got to read the complete number 50 and I got to say, I enjoyed the trilogy better without the return of the King, multiple endings, but reading this as a, Hey, I like return of the King anyway, but reading this, but as it a does monthly, end five times. That's okay. <laughs> because we don't want it to. So anyway, but reading this as a monthly FF comic that makes the hints of future stories and subplots work. Does that make sense? If I want to just read Galactus I'd want to skip the extra stuff, but on an FF read-through, the extra stuff is great, just in my opinion. Um, yeah, I agree. It's just kind of crazy that they, you know, I guess back in the day weren't writing for the trades, quote-unquote. But uh, right. if there yeah, is they, a trade of Galactus, I certainly wouldn't want the beginning and the end of it on there.
1: And nowadays, when they do – now I say nowadays, in the comics we've read more recently – Some of the continued stories have had definite, like, at the end of the issue, the story is over transitions. Mm -hmm. Even if the events continue into the next issue, Mm -hmm. it's a switch of plot at that point. So they're, they're getting the hang of it. We had a similar conversation, um, Blaine and I back in the day when he had his unofficial 75 greatest marvels countdown podcast. Uh huh. He went through the entire list of the 75 greatest marvel stories that was published after voted on being voted on by fans for Marvel's 75th anniversary mm-hmm. and he podcasts that there every single one of them. And one of them was the Galactus trilogy. And I was on that with him and we had a similar conversation and yeah, um, I, I, I like that treasury idea, but I agree that if you're reading a monthly comic, if you're just reading through fantastic four, who needs the covers, just read the pages. It just flows from one to the next.
0: Yeah. It's still kind of odd pacing. You could argue, but mm-hmm. that's fine. Uh, When was the first Marvel trade? I'll just throw that out there with no expectation of an answer, because who would just know that? But that got me thinking. Anyway. Uh, I have an idea. Okay, what? The Marvel Tales
1: Annual um, It collected a lot of the Marvel superhero Mm -hmm. um, origins in like a 72-page format. Okay. So that would be considered. I mean, that's not like trade size, like half an inch thick book trade size. Right. But that's a collection.
0: So it's like a reprint series. Mm-hmm. Wyatt Wingfoot, he continues. I knew about him from number 50, but hadn't read any more stories with him until Byrne brought him back. And he's one of my favorite characters from that era. I'm very excited to read these original stories. Yeah. I didn't know Wyatt Wingfoot except from Byrne's She-Hulk run.
1: He shows up in one panel of Civil War.
0: <laughs> and I knew him from that. Oh, uh, yeah. I always wondered like where he came from. And I guess now I know. Uh, he came from sleeping on a couch and they just took him on a mission. Tales of suspense. Number 77, Iron Man and Mandarin and Ultimo LOL at computing. Ulti with Dr. Manhattan. I hadn't thought of that. Great call. Uh, I don't know that
1: either, but I'll go with it.
0: Ultimo at least was you get like to this, see little Ultimo was like giant naked robot guy or something. Yes, I am still utterly confused about Mandarin. His motivations keep switching on a dime in every appearance about being after Stark or Iron Man and never truly explaining either. Just make him the evil twin of Tony already. It's at least that simple. That would actually be fairly interesting. Especially Uh, since
1: Tony does have mysterious twins.
0: What if his name was Mike? Anyway. (gasps) Or (laughs) or Moni. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Tony and Moni. Gregory and Schmeggery. Okay. Cap, an unnamed woman. Oh, no. Not again. Being in love. And she's never seen him without his mask. If this was an Alan Moore or Grant Morrison book, there would be an explanation that would not fly with the Comics Code Authority. And most of
1: the costumes stayed on.
0: How does Cap have a picture of this woman? We're accepting he kept it or sent it home from occupied France or wait. Is this evidence is this evidence that Steve is an artist. It is not a photograph, but a drawing he made. Re-readers can't tell the difference since it's a drawing anyway. But it could be a drawing. Um, we have wondered about his possessions before because that's not the first mm-hmm. one he's had. I think our retcon is that after he died, people everything was put in boxes. We're like, oh, here's a here's a box full of his stuff. Let's put it away somewhere. And he was able to get it when he was revived or something. Otherwise, I have no idea because he has pictures of his mom and – I don't know. Anyway, another great show. Until next time or until Galactus satisfies his munchies with a planet-sized Twinkie, make mine, make ours Marvel. Tell I him about that the Twinkie. Twinkie. Tell him about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? Tell him about the Twinkie.
1: Okay. Um, well, that July's. wraps this up.
0: No. Anyway. Next.
1: <laughs> Actually, I have a couple of um, iTunes reviews I want to read. Okay. Cool.
0: We always so, forget to plug iTunes. But yeah, iTunes reviews are very welcome.
1: Always welcome. And since I discovered Chartable, that's my favorite place to go for iTunes reviews because it shows the international reviews as well. Ah, So this one comes from Canada, posted by Last of My Kind, five stars, very entertaining. I have an hour ride to work, and John and Michael keep me entertained the entire time. To take on every issue of the Marvel Universe in chronological order is a monumental task, but they do it and do it well. Keep up the great work, boys.
0: Thank you so much.
1: I do hope, though, that you are able to find another of your kind and spawn more
0: kind. (laughs) That listened to our show.
1: (laughs) Yes, Corey Summers five stars. Love this show. As a huge Marvel fan, it is fun to listen to these two great podcasters. The show is fun and enjoyable. It's like being in the same room with good friends talking about Marvel. Thank you, thank you, Corey. Welcome. Appreciate the review. Yeah, always welcome. we We might just have to keep going. Okay. If we get to September, there's another iTunes review, and I'm gonna, right. get mad at, I'm gonna get mad at this person. But we'll we'll deal with that later.
0: I have July 16th from Gunnar. Gunnar. Okay. Gunnar. Is that right? Sounds good. I oh, always get that wrong. Okay. This is not his first email because I've got that wrong before. So apologies. But hi, Mike and John. Hope you're still doing fine in a world that is bonkers at this moment in time. Quick info to fill the gap concerning Galactus's origin. He is actually a guy called Galen who became the sole survivor of a group of scientists trying to escape the death of the old universe. He was the only one to make it make it into the current universe and was there from big bang onward miraculously transformed into galactus because comics. I sort I of like remember a, that.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've read his origin before and this always surprises me so I guess it doesn't stick in my head.
0: It was pretty often established that he is an essential part of the universe ecosystem bringing destruction to balance creation. Why a guy who was not even supposed to be there is now part of the system of the universe, well, maybe Uatu knows. Yeah, I have actually heard the essential part, too. So it's like that makes it seem like he's some sort of Infinity Stone type being that existed since the Big Bang, not some normal scientist dude who escaped his old universe. But And if Uatu
1: knows, he's not telling, but he shouldn't really have any special insights because they were just dudes on a planet who decided to like be voyeurs.
0: and they haven't been watching since the big bang either is what i know right so galactus predates them unless they have time travel uh this whole idea however became undone in the otherwise quite amazing ultimates run from 2015 to 2016 here it gets established that Galen's ship was actually a kind of incubator that turned him into galactus the process was not finished though due to the damage the ship took when crossing over into the new universe the Ultimates are able to power up Galactus to his final state, and he becomes the life bringer, complete with pretty rad golden white version of his costume. He can spread new life throughout the galaxy. Oh my god, Thanos would hate that so much. So is he god now? I guess. Galactus then leads the Universal Task Force, fighting some great universal battles before the plot drives him back to his old state as Eater of Worlds. No explanation given why his eating of worlds is part of the larger universe scheme when he was actually supposed to be the life bringer. Still, the series is an absolute amazing read that I highly recommend. And if you want more reading about Galactus and the ecosystem thing, I also highly recommend the maxi series Earth X, mm. which, which talks a lot about why he's important why it's important that he goes around eating planets and how superheroes exist and what they're for and celestials. And it's very interesting whether it's Canon or not. I mean, it kind of can't be because it's the future, but it was still interesting.
1: And I'm pretty sure this ultimate's run is from after the ultimate universe itself was no longer separate. And they had Uh, like a six one six team called the ultimates. I think that's true. I could be wrong.
0: Okay. So that was our Galactus. Mm -hmm. I say our, like we own the six one six. Yeah. All right.
1: It was not, it was not Galactus from Galactus. the original universe. I
0: remember that. How funny. Okay. Back to the comics you were reading. I do not think that Stan and his team were even aware of what they had created when bringing in Galactus and the Silver Surfer into the universe. It was only later that Marvel quite cleverly rediscovered this as a monumental moment. Well, that's probably true because I'm sure they were just throwing everything at the, at the wall. Some Jack Kirby just had a cool idea. Some things didn't. He also had a flying I, skier, so you know.
1: I honestly think uh, Galactus might have just been a cool story to introduce the Silver Surfer,
0: mm-hmm. a character
1: that Jack Kirby seems to care about. That evidently we have come to understand later gets stolen from him.
0: And if you think the Fantastic Four did nothing to these com- in these comics, where do you come continue with the X Men comics? The X Men are notorious for taking on enemies that are so powerful. They have no way of defeating them, so basically, they are only there to observe events unfold during a lot of their book. We've already got had some of that, mm-hmm. like the Sentinel story arc comes to mind. They did nothing.
1: And Xavier was, has often done stuff where his team couldn't.
0: Yeah, right. Last but not least, a random thought that I had during the last week's episode: Do you think it's possible that the whole Thor possible that the whole Thor goes on a boat trip in Tales of Asgard, and the constant mentioning of argonauts was a sign that the creative team was busy researching greek mythology at that time and thought that this greek story would fit also into the Norse story they told it was probably something like that i don't know
1: when the jason the argonauts movie came out but i think that might have also been an influence yeah i think they're just trying to be cool with with pop culture ideas
0: just a couple of weeks later, Hercules enters the Marvel Universe. Coincidence? Or was the Argonauts thing only a byproduct of Lee and Kirby doing their research on Hercules and the Greek pantheon of folklore? Could be. Could be. Y'all, the Jason and the Argonauts movie was 1963. That was definitely
1: mm-hmm.
0: a, 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 an influence. And it was popular. It yeah. Was yeah. Crazy it was animation big. no one had ever seen before. Anyhow, until Hercules finally stops wearing a skirt, make mine more. That does happen. Let so him wear the careful. skirt. In the 90s, when they all start wearing those jackets, he's definitely the not wearing a skirt. skirt <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe those clash.
0: He also shaves, which is horrible. What? Yeah, I know. Um, okay, so
1: Tim Price, July 18th, episode 118, in league with Lucifer. Okay. Is that okay? I don't have that, so go ahead. All right. Amazing Spider-Man 36, The Looter? More like The Loser, am I right? yes yeah he was villaining it up and that's about it enough said he was crazy okay Okay. the real story is how dumb Peter is oh my god when a pretty girl invites you to a party you say yes (laughs) also if someone asks if you're a god (laughs) I mean come on oh wait I'll think this through Peter doesn't want to be known as the brainy guy but that's because he got bullied in school But this is college. And she said, I want you there because you're smart. Either Peter's being ultra paranoid or more likely doing something he does best, self-sabotage. So many instances of the Parker luck become poor choices under scrutiny, and he just doesn't see it. I'm just going to shake my head.
0: I would never (sighs) have trusted a pretty girl coming to me and telling me that she really wanted me at her party back at that age. I wouldn't get that. So that's paranoia and self-sabotage, but it does happen.
1: But he had experience with women before that. I mean, yeah, that's
0: true. I don't know. I mean, right now
1: he has, he has the two most attractive women on the entire campus Mm -hmm. coming to his doorstep. Mm -hmm. So there's something going on. And I'm reminded of the song from the play, um, be more chill guys like us will be cool in college. And, uh, late Peter was.
0: Well, I mean, he got there, but maybe it just took him a couple. Yeah, so he wasn't there yet whenever issue 30 happened or whatever issue that was. He was still being drawn by Ditko, so he still felt like a fugly nerd. And mm-hmm. Then Ramita came along and brushed his teeth, and now he's like, hey, I have a chance here. <laughs> the Avengers
1: 27. Is Avengers trying to give us good female characters, specifically Wanda and Jan? Not sure yet, but I'll stay hopeful.
0: Apparently I- not, because... Yeah,
1: there, it's been few and far between. There have been good moments, but even like the last Avengers we covered on this show was like, one. Uh, one uh, Jan got one good lick at it and it was out
0: for the rest of the fight. And Wanda was sick for no reason. That went nowhere.
1: Right. The X-Men 20, Blob and Eunice, dressed as X-Men and pulled off this frame job, was remarkably effective and believable. I agree. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take huge acting talent to pull this off. Just really yellow shirts. But... Blonus, 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 Blob, and Eunice are uh-huh. carny guys, and perhaps used to pulling scams on rubes. Oh. So this worked really well. Very
0: cool. Yeah, that was the best part of that issue.
1: Yeah, I like them together. Thoughts about Professor X? They keep calling his power telepathy, but maybe it's closer to ESP, which would give it more flexibility in sensing his environment than strict mind reading would. But you know. It's not like science has even defined how telepathy works so they can do what they want.
0: Comics. Yeah. I think that's also called plot device.
1: Yeah. Then there's Lucifer. More mm. like Lucifer. Am oh I right? Yes. Uh, uh. Very right. He says, wait, did I do this bit already? Yes, he did. But that's okay. It was worth it. Daredevil 16. For the first page or two, I was thinking, wasn't this villain actually Doc Ock in disguise until, oh, right. That was the master planner. This mm. is masked marauder.
0: Mm.
1: Odd for me to get them confused since their names and M.O.s are so totally different. Completely, utterly different. Yep. Narrative voice. They're not different. Uh, yeah. The Rooms of Daredevils was very fun. Room of Daredevils, especially the detail that all of their eyes were visible, whereas D.D.'s mask covers his eyes. Well done, Mr. Romita. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that was cool. Ramita was very cool on Daredevil. I'm glad we have Gene Colan now, but Ramita
0: was very cool on Daredevil. He really was, yeah.
1: With Dee being a Spider-Man-like character from the beginning, it's great to see them together, even for just a big fight scene. And I was shocked to have a cliffhanger end the issue. Mm-hmm. These misunderstanding-then-team-up situations are usually resolved so quickly, even nowadays. This is remarkably tense. Wow. And it spawns a whole third identity for Matt Murdock. So, you know, that's fun. God. Wait till uh, until Matt Murdock dresses as Mike Murdock, dresses as Daredevil, dresses as another superhero. I make, make her as Marvel. Oh,
0: you're gonna have to quit real soon then.
1: Yeah, and being a numbers guy, I dig that DD Dee Dee gets started in Spider-Man 16, and this is DD Dee Dee number 16 with Spider-Man in it. Marvel Ooh. letting nerds nerd it up. Also, the number fives. Doctor Doom's first appearance was the Fantastic Four number five, and then he shows up in Amazing Spider-Man number five. So yeah, wow. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Until next time, or until Dee Dee catches Spidey drinking his milk and doesn't get into a fight over it, make mine make ours Marvel. It sounds like a hostess ad plot. Okay, what you got next?
0: I have a plug for another podcast, and I'm not really sure how to read that because it's like a link, so maybe we could skip it.
1: But Actually, I was going to go ahead and read it because okay. I also want to listen to this, and I didn't okay. know it existed. But evidently they
0: made a uh, – you want to you read it? Well, it just says check out Marvel's podcast, marvelpodcast.com to see what Spider-Man at least was during dirt was doing during the first galactic Galactus story. If I recall correctly, the last issue of Mar- Marvel Saga also addresses this. Wow, I cannot read this one to save my life, but
1: So they turned Marvel's the Boosteek um, mm-hmm. what's his name? Ross storyline yeah yeah into an audio dramatic adaptation and released it in podcast form
0: oh so this is official podcast
1: yes this is marvel's marvel's podcast so marvelspodcast.com or if you go on your podcatcher and search marvels you'll you should see it i have not listened to it yet it's in my rotation i'll be listening to the first episode soon but i'm looking forward to that so thank you masood for sharing yeah
0: that's groovy um.
1: Okay, so I have an email dated July nineteenth from Scott McFadden. I do not. So go ahead. Okay. Thoughts on episode one hundred eighteen. Hi guys. Hi Scott. Another enjoyable episode from the two of you. I definitely remember reading the Spider Man story, the Looter from Amazing Thirty Six, in the old black and white Essential Spider Man collection, oh. and being underwhelmed by it.
0: Yeah, but those Essential those black were and white so Essentials. Good. God. Yeah. What,
1: like 10, 12
0: bucks for 20 yeah. inches of comics. Yeah, and it was all like newsprint. And it was just neat to see the art in black and white, too, I thought.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That period of six months or so before Ditko finally left does seem pretty uninspired. You can tell he was losing his enthusiasm, whether for the character or just working with Stan. I like to think it was primarily the latter of those two. I like to think he still had a love for Spider Man, was just having trouble finding the love. Hmm. Either way, he doesn't seem to have been giving it his best efforts anymore. For sure. Uh, as for Avengers 27, I find it a middling issue. I'm glad that you guys generally like Don Heck. He doesn't seem to get a whole lot of respect from a lot of fans, but I don't think his style, his style is especially suited for the Avengers.
0: I he felt was that his way. best,
1: I believe, when he was... Go ahead.
0: I was like, I felt that way until it became the Kooky Quartet, and then it was fine. So it's like... It
1: does seem to fit them pretty well, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it was like when he was drawing Thor and Iron Man, I didn't love it, and then... Just the four, it was pretty great. And
1: when I when I visualize Heck art on the first group of uh, Avengers, I often picture a lot of misprinted issues where like the color plates weren't lined up right, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of pages where like the red and yellow were bleeding out. Just I don't know, just made it for an eye jarring experience. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was only like one or two issues, but that's what I visualize. Yeah. Um, McFadden goes on. Uh, he was at his best, I believe, when he was drawing good looking people doing sophisticated things. Which is why he works so well in Iron Man. Yeah. John Good Eye on recognizing reporter Chet Brinkley in this issue as a mashup of Chet Huntley and David Brinkley from the Huntley Brinkley Report. Chet Huntley died in 1974 when I was just a kid, but I'm old enough to remember David Brinkley, whose career continued well into the 1990s. I, I only know the name Chet from two other places. There's a character on the soap opera that they were watching on Twin Peaks. So like in the Twin Peaks soap opera, the characters are watching a soap opera and there's a character in that soap opera named Chet. Yeah. Also, the name of my son's elementary school was Chet's Creek. So some guy named Chet had a creek and then he a school after it.
0: Well, not to be all deja vu, but I think we've had this conversation. I told you, you got to look up Chet Baker, man. Chet some, Baker was... Get some jazz in your life. A trumpeter.
1: Oh, yeah. The James sorry, Dean I, of jazz trumpet. I'll have to Good look stuff. him up. Good Remind stuff. me. Ask me again. if you Have you looked up, Chet Baker? And I'll say yes or
0: no. <laughs> you. Yeah, it's really important.
1: I never paid much attention to Daredevil until Frank Miller came along, so this period is pretty much a blank to me. So it's fascinating to see John Romita drawing Spider-Man for the first time. You guys are right that he seemed to be doing his best to draw Spidey like Ditko in this issue. It doesn't look much like his later Spider-Man art would. Um, I find it interesting that so many people only know Daredevil from Frank Miller forward.
0: Kind of makes sense, though, you- because... He just became really popular at that point. Right. I don't like a lot of people only know Batman from Frank Miller forward. Yes, this is true. It's the same idea. And Bronze Age
1: Batman is some good stuff.
0: And for me, it's kind of true. I actually know Daredevil from uh DeSenti slash John Romita Jr. forward. So that was like after mm. Miller. I don't know that I've read all the Miller. I've read some of it. But I've definitely never read I've Bonkers, never read f- Mike Murdoch, Daredevil <laughs> reading right now. So it's definitely a different thing.
1: And I have a note that I'll mention again next time we do a Daredevil recording, and uh, it's already been said by the time this comes out, but um, we're definitely into Daredevil issues that I've never read before, mm-hmm. and I realized that I don't know how the Mike Murdoch thing plays out. I don't know where that's going.
0: But so I have decided that the only way to approach it is to just think it's silly and be okay mm-hmm. with
1: it. Yep. It's intended to be a silly, fun romp.
0: But it that, can't be anything else. But as of the letter that we were just reading right now, I feel like that wasn't the case. Like All of a sudden- it's kind of been like that. So like the mass
1: Marauder arc with Spider-Man wasn't really intended as a comedy romp. But no, that's they decided
0: that seemed legit. And now it's just mm-hmm. like a farce or something,
1: a fun farce, a quality yeah. farce. Yeah, when yeah. He's not going after aliens on his college campus. But other than that, <laughs> Oh my
0: God. Yeah.
1: Anyway, speaking definitely. of Daredevil, y'all out there should go check out the, um, Mike Reed's comics, Twitter feed. Michael David Sims, who's a listener to the show and who's a mm. podcaster over at Earth2.net, the show, and other Earth2.net podcasts. He has been doing a uh, tweet blog of the various comic series he reads, and Daredevil has been one of the main focuses. He says takes breaks from Daredevil to read other stuff, but then comes back to Daredevil later.
0: I so. thought about giving him a hard time for that handle because it's like, oh, John and Mike do make ours Marvel. There's already a John Rhys comics. Now they're going to think that's Mike from Mike. <laughs> from make marvel mike reads comics but it's not that mike it's a different mike reading comic different mike um McFadden so fadden wraps up
1: you are also right when you point out that this doesn't apply to the civilian scenes not only is Romita's peter parker in this issue very unditko, his renderings of aunt may and especially of jay Jonah jameson already had the familiar Romita look that will co- all come to recognize in the next few months it's too bad he didn't have the opportunity to draw gwen stacy here Mm. Thanks for another great episode. Hope you guys are staying healthy. Yours, Scott McFadden. Yeah, he said that in July, whenever COVID was still relatively new. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, we have survived. We have survived. Or not. Um, let's see. My next email is August fifth. My next comment Ooh. is July twenty fifth.
0: July twenty fifth. Tim Price. Pluto's yeah. not a planet because he's got Hercules to do it. Pluto.
1: Yeah, because now Hercules is the planet in place of Pluto. That's right. That's right. why I think when I do that.
0: Thor number one twenty eight. Thor living with. Thor living like a one percenter while he recovers was almost funny in that light. You know, a good way to heal from bad injuries, riding around in a carriage and shooting critters. And I agree, John, that had to be the same bed in the castle and the carriage. Its name, the <laughs> <laughs> Well, Thor should be a one percenter, right? I mean, he is the royalty. Anyway, it's He's been the best amazing. God of the gods. It's been amazing how much Hercules has an arc here. I likewise wonder if he'll have continuous appearances all the way to his next destination. Even if not, it's fascinating to see it now. But there was one panel where Herc puts one foot on a chair and his man skirt starts to rise up. And thank Zeus for the Comics Code Authority. Yes. These, these Herc appearances inspired me to read his first 1980s miniseries, A Space Adventure with Women, Villains, and Android Sidekicks. It was awesome. Have either of you, Have either of you read it? Still no, even though it's been have like not. a month later. But we haven't. I have seen the covers. Maybe because he posted them. Okay. Boy, Thor, after hearing Herc now has to rule the underworld, was totally sucks to be thou. Yeah, (laughs) he kind of was, but he also was the only one who bailed him out, ultimately. Tales to Astonish number 80, Namor fighting the monsters and thinking it shouldn't be able to move that quickly. How is he supposed to know that? He hasn't fought it before, right? So what's his frame of reference? I know it's the old trope of the hero knowing more than he should, possibly could, but sigh. Maybe his experience with fighting giant monsters in the past and they've never moved that fast. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think it's the old trope of big stuff shouldn't move quickly, which is actually a really bad trope. But, you know, it's, it's one of those.
0: Why is that a thing? That's always a thing in, in movies and stuff like the bad. The big giant thing is the slowest thing in the world. I don't know. Because Why? Um, Why? I
1: feel like it's often harped on whenever they're not the slowest thing in the world. And if you have enough big stuff that's actually not as slow as you think it would be, you might expect it to start being faster.
0: Does that come from, like, Godzilla or something?
1: You know, it could be, because those guys would actually intentionally move slowly, or they would slow down the playback to give them of the appearance of mass. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, okay, so in the Dinobots, the Triceratops guy, mm-hmm. I think of a Triceratops. I think of, like, a hippo with horns, mm-hmm. or, like, a dinosaur version of a cow. I don't think of them as moving quickly, but evidently they really did. They ran, and that's one of Slag's properties on the back of his uh, box is that he can run really quickly.
0: Blaine, is there a scientific reason why giants move slower than the rest of us? Just they have more there. mass
1: and so more inertia, so it should take more force to get them going. But well,
0: why, why does Giant Man in Cap Civil War suddenly move super slow just because he's like 20 feet taller? Anyway, uh, where did I stop? Okay, inside of instead of exile, maybe they should have sent Krang to be the leader of the Rock Trolls. I hear that's a pretty effective punishment. <laughs> Hulk versus Tyrannus being so Hulk. They've teased us with it before, but I guess we'll see if it sticks. But I agree, this is my default Hulk. Talking in third person, crabby, flying off the handle, primitive thinking. He may finally be here for good. Yay. Pretty much has been. He's been getting a little smarter in the, the yeah. last couple of shows. Yeah, he was kind of introspective with the with the Silver Surfer. but Right, He really wants to go to space. But still cranky and flying off the handle and kind of primitive thinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't know if I like or dislike Hulk's attitude to Rick and Betty. They're his connection to humanity, and it's pretty wild to see him just dismiss any affection for them. But without that, it's just a monster book and less drama. Or another way, nothing to fight for, just always fighting against obstacles. That is true. He hasn't really done the like Hulk in love with Betty and will protect her no matter what vibe. Really,
1: yeah. If that becomes a thing, I I, I was unaware, so I'm, I'm curious to see that. I I don't really think of Hulk as having attachments to Rick and Betty. I think of Bruce having well, the attachments. Certainly, Betty.
0: Like in all the movies and cartoons and stuff, it's all about Betty.
1: In the movies, like modern stuff, yeah, but like early Hulk, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I wonder where that gets established. But anyway, Strange Tales number one forty-five. The Druid's bit with pretending to be magical. I wonder if his followers feel put upon. Um, Druid, I've been holding up the mystic flamethrower for like 10 minutes. Can I switch to the flashlight of destiny now? No, still not done. Sigh.
1: (laughs) That reminds me of, um, new doctor who, uh, whenever they go to the world that creates the Cybermen and Uh Mickey's on the ship with them and they're all sitting around and doctor and Rose are telling a story and laughing and Mickey doesn't get the references. And the doctor realizes that Mickey is holding in a button.
0: Oh God. Yeah.
1: And he's like, Mickey, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, I'm holding this button. You told me I had to hold it. It was very important. He's like, oh, <laughs> you you can let go now. Yeah. Well, you just forgot. You just forgot that. Yeah, yes. That's what I was saying.
0: When Fury and Druid get ready to fight, you know it's serious because Fury doesn't just take off his jacket. He takes off his shirt. Oh, it is on. Or Fury looks for any excuse to go shirtless. It's the Captain Kirk rule. Yeah, I was going to say, that's why I call James Kirk Fury. Mm. Did Mr. Rasputin pull an Indiana Jones on Strange? Strange. Lots of impressive magic conjuring. Rasputin pulls gun and shoots. Strange. Wilhelm scream. I guess he did. I like that idea. And oh my gosh, can they please get back to the story of saving unnamed woman for pity's sake? Jeez. Yes, they did eventually. Sort of. <laughs> until next time or until Tyrannus finds and becomes the flaming fountain of youth. I swear I'm not making that up. Make, my, make ours marvel. The flaming fountain. Okay.
1: He becomes... The flaming fountain of you. That's That's fine.
0: I am refraining from jokes that are inappropriate.
1: (laughs) So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there for a couple of reasons. The chief being that my recorder just stopped recording. And um, because I'm on a new laptop, we didn't have any of my usual backup stuff going. So, yeah, we're going to have to reread some emails because there's like almost an hour of unrecorded stuff here.
0: Or we could just release this with my side of the conversation and they can try and insert their own. Like they're talking to me. What did John that say? That won't work. Yeah. What did no, he say to make Mike say that weird? Right. Right. Um,
1: okay. So uh, you can find our regular weekly episodes. So go listen to those. Uh, we're going to try to come back within another month. Now the holidays are past. We're going to try to come back in a month to get another one of these knocked out. And yeah. Anything else before we go? I think that's it. Keep writing in. Right. We'll get there eventually. We will get there eventually. We're going to, yeah. Meant to cover two months of stuff tonight, but did not. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) thanks for listening, everybody.